All right. Welcome to the Rockonomics Podcast number six. I am Dill, your host, and twisting the knobs as always is producer Nick Fry. Our modus operandus here is to explore the price tags and paychecks of the business that is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Or in broader terms, it's a conversation with people in and around the music and entertainment industry about art and commerce and how the two exist for better or worse. My guest today is Tracy Maples. Every time Tracy takes the stage, he performs in front of packed houses where the audience knows every song and sings along to every word. Never heard of him? That's because Tracy is part of a growing segment of tribute bands that's playing and filling a lot of popular small and mid-sized venues throughout the country. In his case, Tracy is a member of On the Border, an Eagles tribute band that plays up and down the East Coast and beyond, and in 2015 was featured on the Access TV show, The World's Greatest Tribute Bands. So let's listen in and hear how it all came to be and where they can take it next. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you know Larry Farber? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had him in here last week. Oh, yeah? And uh, I don't know if you guys came up specifically. I think he said he's got a number of tribute bands at ECE. Right. And, um, you know, immediately I, immediately I thought of, you know, the, the money issue. It was like, did, you know, do you guys pay royalties? Or do you have to pay? Do you have to do? And he's, no, he, you, yeah, it, that, I think that's a per club basis and then um i'm not sure exactly how that works with some of the other stuff but no. so the club itself they pay yeah, a lot of clubs that have nightly music and live bands all the time pay certain royalties and i guess because i don't own one i would imagine some of the venues like live nation venues we play a lot of live nation venues right i would imagine that you know they probably have a deal already in place i'm sure yeah well <laughs> I think uh, they pretty much own everything now. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> um, I think I can answer this question, but what's the difference between a cover and a tribute band? My personal opinion, a cover band is a band that covers all types of material. They can do one artist if they want. Um, generally, when you say a cover band, they're covering one genre of music, either whether it's classic rock, 90s, disco, or maybe you just have a band that does a variety Right. Still called a cover band. Um, a tribute act to me is not just a band that plays someone's music, but actually really takes the time um, to hone down. Right. I mean, get the really nuance. break the songs down note for note and, and just do it to the best of their ability. Um, the right gear, you know, the right look. Right. Um, stage, everything, presence, everything. What do the fans say? Like, what do you get coming off the stage? Is it just like you sound great or is it, you know, I, you know, I, I know my personal experience with the Eagles. I loved them. And I remember when, uh, you know, the Hell Freezes Over tour finally came about. There was, right. you know, a chance to see them. But they were in the age of like, hey, let's see how high ticket sales can go. Uh, they sure did. That. And, <laughs> and, and, and it prevented me from actually seeing them. Right. Yeah, that was very expensive. Um I haven't heard any bad comments. Knock on wood. <laughs> you get all sorts of all sorts of people coming up. We have people that are terminally ill that come out and see us, and you know, 
that's a teary-eyed situation, but, you know, they have the time of their life, they haven't experienced that in a long time, or somebody's spouse or son or daughter, dad, mother, grandfather, whoever has passed away, and that was their favorite group, or this was their favorite song. So there's a lot of uh, a heartfelt, right. you know, a connection with a lot of the people that come and see us. Interesting. So, um, Well, let's um, let's go back to kind of your personal story. Um, what was your first introduction to music or what was your earliest memory of, you know, catching the bug? Uh, I remember in 1975. Yeah. I'm not going to say how old I was, but <laughs> well, I remember, I'll do the math. I remember Boston's album coming out. <laughs> I remember Fleetwood Mac. I remember one of these nights. And, you know, as a kid standing in the room, cranking up the phonograph, you know, and yep. Boston listening to the drum solos and playing air drums and air guitar. And that really was a big influence on me. Now, did you have an older brother or anybody who introduced you to those records or? Uh, I had a stepsister at the time, okay. an older stepsister. So I would, when she was at school, I would go in and. So that was something that was, you know, kind of lying around. Yes. I mean, it's kind of similar to me. I had older sisters that, yeah. you know, I never, I think my first record I bought was probably a Kiss Love Gun. Oh, nice. Yeah. But Kiss yeah, fan. but they had, I mean, same thing. They had Van Halen 1. They had Boston, yep. you know, Elton John's Greatest Hits. Yep. I came into, you know, it was probably late 70s is when I started really getting influenced by the the Zeppelin and the Van Halen and. And yeah, that took off in a whole other direction for me. And then, of course, the '80s came along, and we know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> the 80s. Um, so, did you turn to guitar right away, or did you turn to drums? No, I actually, I had always favored guitar. Um, it's funny. My mom has a picture of me as a child. I don't know. I was probably two years old, running around the house with an acoustic guitar strapped <laughs> around me that I got for a birthday or something. Um, she tried the lesson thing with me two or three times throughout my younger days and it was I couldn't ADD I don't know maybe right. that's what I would have been diagnosed with Man. but uh I never had the patience to sit down and learn the individual notes and all this I was so I'm self-taught but that was that before you kind of caught the bug was that something no, that they kind of pushed on was, you or once you were like hey I want to kind of play and they're like yeah, all it right. was that was after no it was I mean I'd already had the bug and they were like well you need to get some lessons and course me i was like why <laughs> you know i didn't want to do that so i just sat in my room and made a bunch of racket until it sounded right and that's what happened it's funny i just had this conversation the other day about you know th these days with youtube you, I mean, you can pretty much get free lessons oh. off youtube but the person i was speaking to said you learn you learn so much more when you when you plow through it when you have to you know you have such better ear when you're doing it from scratch with nothing but you and so the notes, you know. Thank God I did have cassettes when I really started learning because it was only fast forward or rewind, you know, <laughs> the eight tracks, you know. Right. And I remember a big Kiss fan, huge Kiss fan, saw Kiss Alive 2 when I was young in 76. Um, huge influence early on. Um, I remember laying in bed at night, school night, headphones on eight track in playing love gun or any of those any of those uh eight yeah. tracks and hearing the every time they change <laughs> i loved the how next. it used to break into the middle of a song oh yeah right in the middle of a song <laughs> just go to the next one it's like they had no timing with it whatsoever so i guess they didn't want to waste the tape but <laughs> so then did that um segue into uh high school bands or um during high school growing up um i had a guitar 
uh, cheap guitar. Uh, my dad, Is that some of your parents? Uh, yeah, but it was an older. It was something that I'd had for quite a while. It was not a good guitar. <laughs> it did not play well. It did not sound good. Um, my dad bought me an amp finally, um, and I blew through that pretty quick. It didn't last but about two years, and I blew it up somehow or another. I think I was chasing a fuse one time and shorted something out and <laughs> went kaput. So anyway, I saved up my money and, and bought my first guitar. Uh, but I was learning. Some of my neighbors were taking lessons uh, from a guy that was grew up around Charlotte uh, and has been teaching here for years, uh, Tim Murray. Okay. So I learned vicariously through him. And it was funny because of my friends that were getting all the new guitars and the new equipment and getting lessons. I would go sit with them, and I was picking up on it way faster than they ever right. So bought my guitar, and that's where I went. Yeah, just <laughs> That's how I did it. Have you ever had a rapport with the guitar teacher like that? Hey, thanks for the, uh, yeah, the actually, second hand. Actually, um, so in this band, he had showed up to a show one time, and, and I'd met him several times over the years. Um, he didn't really know me by name. I knew who he was just because of the position that he had been in for so long. And uh, I called him out on stage and said, you know, Tim Murray, we got a famous guy in the crowd, you know. But anyway, I talked to him after that show and, and told him, you know, thank you. It's like, well, <laughs> seems like you learned very well. <laughs> so he really enjoyed himself. So it was, it was for me, it was, you know, I enjoyed that. Interesting. Yeah. So what about early bands? What was the, uh, you know, how did you come to, or what, what, did, what, what, what was the story? Like, where'd you fall into? Uh, bands that I played with? Yeah. Uh, it was a bunch of high school, you know, nobody ever really played out. We'd play house parties, basement parties, whatever. Um, and then I had a break. I played a lot of guitar, uh, got married early, raising kids. And so there was probably a five or six year period of my life that I was still trying to get into something, but trying to support a family and work. Right. It just doesn't allow a whole lot of time for anything else. Sure. It's play guitar at midnight when you get home from your second job, you know? Yeah. So, well, it I, seems like it's also, I mean, you're probably young 20s, right? It's probably yes, the, the most yeah. fruitful years if you wanted to go for it. Go, yeah, you know? really go for it, right? So, you know, after that, uh, that relationship had ended, um, yeah, it was on. So, ever since then. And did you get a sense, like you mentioned, you know, you picked it up quicker than, uh, you know, the guys taking lessons? Did you get it? When did you get a sense that you were actually, um, you know, holding your own or, you know, mixing well with you know, good musicians. I still don't think I hold no, my I, own. I guess, I guess we're all like that to a certain extent. I've always surrounded myself with better players, period. Uh, the guys in the band uh, that play with me now, I have so much respect for each and every one of them. Um, I figure if I surround myself with better players, it can only help me. And, right. it, and it has, even as long as I've been playing. Uh, even just playing this Eagles music and going back and fine-tuning. And, you know, we, all, we always call each other out on certain things, you know, where you might think you're doing something right. And they say, try it this way. Right. Uh, or a different approach. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's true. It's, you know, but it, it's always helped, you know, the creative criticism. So when you get back into music, what happens at that point? Um, it's funny. So the bass player that's with us now, uh, Scott Sabota, he and I've been playing together since that time in my life. Right. So since like 94, um, so it's been a long, he and I have been on that journey for a long time. Um, I started a band, needed a bass player. Somebody told me he could play bass, but he didn't have a bass. So grabbed the bass. I said, I, well, I got an amp too. So 
we put together a band, practiced in the garage, playing a bunch of old Rush and stuff like that, and uh, went to, we got hired to be the house band on Wednesday nights at a club. Okay. To do kind of like, uh, what is it, where people come and sit in and jam or whatever. Like open, an open mic? Open, open mic night, yeah. And uh, the first night we showed up to play, the sound guy had quit the night before. <laughs> so I got... Uh, for us to play, I had to figure that out. So, you know, that was a big switch from the little four channel mixer in the room that just had vocals in it right. in our practice room <laughs> to running a complete sound system. So that's how I got involved with the sound stuff. But that was the start of the band thing. Um, Were you yeah, writing that, originals at this point? Or? Nope. It was, I've always, um, I had gotten with several people over the years and done some originals and I have two big boxes of cassette tapes that I'm still going through trying to find some of that. But I don't know for me, you know, I enjoyed playing out and I enjoyed getting paid. Right. So I, and I needed to get paid at that point in time. So that's, that's what I did. Well, somewhere I did read, it said you had no desire to play original music. I don't know if it's on your current website or where I found that, mm. but no, it's not that I don't have a desire. I would love to. I would I would more or less love to have the time right. to spend on the original music. Um, and I envy those that, that did take the time when they were younger. Because, you know, you get older, life gets in the way. And sure. You can do what's best for you and whoever's involved in your life at that time. Um, so how did um, – how long was it before th – that was back in 94 when you started playing with Scott. Mm -hmm. uh, when When did the – you know, this tribute band kind of takes shape. This tribute band actually I formed in 2009 and went through three sets of guys. So we didn't start playing out until 2011. Okay. So we've been at for at least six years now. Okay. And in that time between 94 and 2009, what, All was, right. what was going on? <laughs> what was going on musically? So uh, probably about 96, I think, um, I started uh, pretty much an arena rock band. Um, keyboards, two guitars, bass, drums, and it was all the old Van Halen, The mm -hmm. Who, Extreme, you know, Queen. It was all that. It was, um, we played some 70s stuff mixed in, a lot of 80s, mm -hmm. White Snake, you know. Uh, that did very well. We had a good following because we were the only people that were playing, playing that kind of music at the time. Um, that went through probably about 2001. And uh, some band turmoil, <laughs> um, wives and stuff happened. Sure. So that one, uh, that one actually, I let it just slide away and started another band. So Scott and I had another band um, called Joystick, okay. which was you know an '80s. It was a I call it MTV '80s. Okay. The keyboard oriented pop tunes. Um, so we we had a five piece band and did a lot of that. And um, actually, I just debunked or defunked that band uh, this last year. Oh, you guys were yeah, playing just, all the way till yeah. We've been still playing, yeah. Oh wow! Um, just I used to be pretty spry and hopping around, climbing <laughs> on bars, and so the Eagles thing became my priority. Just um, it's the the venues we play, the people we play for, mm -hmm. um, the whole bar scene for live music is really taking a turn uh you know or it has hopefully it, it will pick back up the way it used to be but i don't know if it's oversaturation of every bar has live music now right well you know when i was growing up there was three or four bars in town you know 
that had good live music. Um, but you couldn't just go to every corner bar and there was a musician playing. Yeah. Um, well, it so, seems like two or three have closed very recently. Yes. Yeah, you know, I know you guys yeah, played. Tremont, Amos. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's, you know, I would like to see what we experienced back when I was playing, uh, back in the night, even in the nineties, in the early two thousands, we were doing really well at clubs. Uh, you could go in a club and we'd have 800 people, 900 people shoved into, you know, a midtown sundries at the lake or, right. or uh, loafers on independence Boulevard. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's the, the flood of music just stores or yeah. Just, yeah, there's so many options now. And that just seems to be today in general. Right. So what was the impetus of the, the Eagles, you know, you know, starting the tribute band? Well, it's funny you say that. I uh, before I started this, I'd actually had players in place and was putting together uh, a Def Leppard tribute band. <laughs> I love Def Leppard. Yeah, I mean, great. I mean, that was another influence growing up uh, on through the night and all those original tunes. Some of the first songs that I was playing in bands. Um, you know, I'm older. I'll leave it at that, but. You just get to a point like, do I have the energy? Do I, can I jump around all night still? Can I run back right. and forth and jump off of drum risers? And so, but, but for me too, I also looked at. You could be current day Def Leppard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Def Leppard is a great band and they do well. I just wasn't sure how well or what market that we would actually be able to make it um, financially right. you know, feasible to, to take on. Um, and I had some other bands in the hat, but the Eagles is what I decided on. Finally, uh, they've written so many great tunes yeah. and it's just endless. We can do a full two hour show and it's nothing but hits. There's no B sides involved with it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and we throw in some Joe Walsh, uh, Tim Giovanello that plays with us. He's out of Boston, uh, does a great job at covering the Walsh stuff. Uh, and that's one of the things that I've tried to do in this band to set us aside from other other Eagles tribute bands is um, playing the part. Right. So I sing all the um, sing all the Glenn Fry stuff. Uh, okay. Drummer Andrew Young sings all the Henley, and Tim sings all the uh, Joe Walsh stuff. So how did you find? How did you assemble the band? Piece by piece. <laughs> so Scott was Scott's course playing bass with me. Right. Um, Andy. Uh, was the original drummer Joystick. So he and I had been playing together since 2001. Okay. Um, and Bill Morgan, who also plays in the band, uh, plays part of Don Felder, he uh, started playing with Joystick in probably 2006. So the core of that band was already together. Okay. And um, we had another, another drummer originally uh, for about a year and a half. Uh, and... I met Bob Orazi, who plays keyboards for us, uh, through him. Um, but that's, you know, that's generally the, the band. Interesting. Who yeah. handles uh, Timothy B. Schmidt's high? Uh, does so, anybody? <laughs> so Scott, yeah. We're, um, Scott, Scott does a lot of the high harmonies. Um, so we play that. We haven't picked up. Uh, the only Schmidt song we're doing right now is uh, Take It to the Limit. Okay. And Scott had moved moved to Arkansas for a couple of years, so we had a, another bass player. And at the time, Tim 
was started singing "Take It to the Limit," and we've kind of left it because that's actually a Randy Meisner tune, right? Um, so we left it with him because he he actually has kind of a cross between Joe Walsh's nasally tone and Meisner's voice. So right. we've left Tim singing that, and um, the Eagles had a lot of ballads. Yep. So there's no, you know, you always go, oh, we got a rock and roll, got a rock and roll. Well, unfortunately, this is the Eagles. So we, there's a balance between the ballads and the rock. So it has been um, trying to weigh it out. How do we do it? What, you know, placing the songs and everything. And that's also been a very creative. It's it's a lot involved in trying to make the night flow properly, too, with all the guitar changes that go on in the right. band. Um, so keeping it down minimal distractions and and stopping um and you mentioned you you kind of get into the weeds with you know the guitar you know you're bringing out a 12 string at some point right Isn't oh yeah a, yeah yeah so i've got a 12 yeah. string acoustic and bill also plays the double neck right that's Gibson. right yeah, yeah so and those two guitars only come out on that song <laughs> <laughs> at one point in time we had 13 guitars on stage i was gonna say i mean just because a tone for each different song i mean mm -hmm. you guys really you know went for in terms of again yeah, just getting the getting the details yeah it's and we've been we've run the gamut with all the different amps you know um finally settled on all the uh, vintage fender which is basically what they were using okay um but yeah it's you know it's it's been quite an experience and i've gained a lot of equipment over the last couple of years <laughs> trial and error but I've, I've bought a bunch of good stuff along the way so i'm, I'm pretty happy i figure it's it. the internet age you could just you know google yeah. it and it's like there's your answer yeah one of my prized possessions is a 56 fender deluxe oh wow pristine condition even though it's not being used it just sits in a case at the house but yeah. it's good what have you come to appreciate about the eagles playing their music i mean what's you know what seems to be the biggest challenge or oh, everything there's um because the recordings you hear there's so much more going on than just the five of those guys right uh there's doubled and tripled vocal lines and and other guitars and it's so trying to cover that uh when you're learning the material um is one thing and then breaking down the vocals it's 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 a challenge i bet <laughs> it's a big challenge um you gain a lot of respect for those guys and their writing abilities and then their musicianship. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't, you know, they hear the Eagles, Oh, great the Eagles. But if you actually have to stop and break that down under a microscope, like we've had to, you definitely start to appreciate what they did and what was going on in that time a lot more. Right. It's funny too. They, I know they have a reputation too, or at least I've heard Don Henley say it, that they really try to replicate the record. Like they don't kind of go off on tangents, or they right. don't do you know, you know, weaving a you know a right. counter that's, melody that's not there. That's pretty much we've we've stuck to album versions. Um, you know, live versions can be all over the place. We we kind of looked at some. The only one I would say that we do anything a little different on is um, "Take It Easy." We actually end the song like they did in "Hell Freezes Over," so it has the solo at the end, okay, and it has the retard and but um. Other than that, pretty much everything is done almost verbatim. Right. What's the most the, challenging song? <clears throat> For me, my my most challenging songs were like New Kid in Town. Yeah. Lion Eyes. Um, much respect for Glenn Fry and the vocals that he did. Uh, it is very complex, 
changing keys. Uh, he sings soft. He sings hard. He sings full voice. He goes to head voice. And the, the changes are so smooth and so subtle. It's You really, really, really have to work at it a lot. How did you guys handle his, his passing? Like, were, did you guys have gigs that week or that we month? We actually, or? two weeks after he passed, we had a show at the House of Blues in Myrtle Beach. And um, That sounds like a big gig, too. I mean... Yeah, it's... We're, knock on wood, we're one of the top drawing tribute acts down there. Actually, we hold two records, so... <laughs> All my Journey Tribute fans that are listening. <laughs> um, someone, I can't remember, someone wanted to try and make it a show, a tribute, or use the Glenn Fry's name, and I, and I told him no. I didn't, right. I didn't think, well, I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel good about it. We can make it a tribute to Glenn Fry at the show, but I didn't want to advertise yeah. or try to capitalize off of his passing. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, you know, I didn't feel right with that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's respectful. Yeah, and, you know, some people might feel, well, you're playing his music anyway. Well, that's true, but it's, we're playing musicals. We love playing it. Yeah. You know, um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. Originals <laughs> versus, you know, playing somebody else's material. That's a matter of opinion, and, you know, the guys that cover other songs are just as good a musician. And it's funny because you see a lot of bands Zach Brown, mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't play two hours of his own music. Yeah, yeah, everything I've seen, it's his hits, and then it's all covers. You know, right? And a lot of bands, they play their favorite artists, songs they liked and grew up with. They play them, so I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's funny about covers because I, you know, I'm doing research on a on an artist I'm pursuing for this you know podcast, mm-hmm. and he's been around for 20 years. He's got 12 albums out. You know, he's on the indie scene. He hasn't really broken it huge. But I went to look on uh, Spotify, mm-hmm. and his most he has the his most popular song is a cover. I mean, it's got to frustrate. <laughs> it's got to frustrate him to, you know. Well, it, I guess it depends on how you look at it. It could be frustrating that it's not his own music, or he could look at it like, well, I'm getting the exposure. If they find that, they're going to find true, my material. True. So it's a one path leads to another, and right. You know, the other thing that makes me think of is, do you remember, um, you know, when reality TV first hit big and everyone had to have a show, VH1 had bands on the run where it was, uh, you know, five or six bands, they'd go out and they'd try to draw in, you know, it was kind of a contest who could sell the most T-shirts and tickets and blah, blah, right. blah. And they had a band, everyone was an original band, mm-hmm. um, and they had a band playing, I can't remember where, but they were going nowhere nowhere with the crowd. They bust out Sweet Home, Sweet Home Alabama, the crowd goes nuts they hit the dance floor they spent the rest of the night playing covers people (laughs) want to relate to what they know sure um and that's the other thing with uh with on the border is we do the 70s eagles right we don't do anything after they took their little break yeah right um what about solo stuff i know you do some joe walsh we do some joe walsh stuff um we the only don henley song that we currently have done on a regular basis is dirty laundry Oh, great. That's awesome. So it just gives, it's just a little something extra that's not in that, you know, just, that was, yeah. that was a huge hit. Yeah. So it was, it just kind of breaks up, breaks it up a little bit. But Have but you ever yeah. looked at Boys of Summer? That seems like a very complex song. That's a, that's a great <laughs> one, too. We actually had played that once or twice. There's a lot of Eagle songs that we have played um, that we don't play uh, on a regular basis. They might get pulled out once a year, once every other year. And 
to us, they're great songs, and you'll have some hardcore Eagles fans that, you know, why don't you play this song? Why don't right. you play that song? And, and honestly, I tell them, I said, you know, I'm with you. But the other, you know, 2,000 people that paid to get in the door right. don't want to hear that song. Sure. They want to hear the hits. They want to hear what's on the radio. They want to hear what they're familiar yeah. with. Well, they got um, two greatest hit albums that have each sold about 12 million copies oh, a piece or 20 million copies yep. a piece. You yeah. know, it's a good good yeah. set list to start with. Yeah. So I would say to anybody starting a tribute band, that would definitely be something to look at. <laughs> it's funny, the, the name of the band itself. Do you guys play it on the border? I love that song. <laughs> okay. And it's so, so playful. We do too. We love it. It's a great song. It's kind of funky and rocky. And and uh, we've had people go, and we actually had one guy comment, you know, name of the band's on the border. They don't even play that song. <laughs> we use that as our intro song. So there's a lot of situations where we might already be on stage and someone's announcing us and right. we just take off into the set. And then there's other times like, um, you know, Fillmore, House of Blues, House Goes Dark, On the Border comes on. you know, And that's our walk out, grab our guitars, right. tune up, walk up. And, you know, our set, we have travel with an engineer, Aaron Goodman. Uh, thank God. He's the, the extra member of the band that nobody knows about because <laughs> he knows the band. He knows the nuances. He knows everything in each song and where it needs to be in the mix. So he is crucial, you know, yeah. to what we do in a live situation. Um, so, yeah, so we, we walk on on the border and we've talked about learning it and maybe halfway through the song, we just start playing it and then they fade it out or what. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to learn. I think it's a great song. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, that's a fun song. Um, what about, uh, do you look at the other Eagles tribute bands at all? Like, do you, do you have yeah. you ever had to play with them in, in any instance or? So we've had, um, there's some out there that are really good, really good. Uh, I have much respect for them just because what we've had to do. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some out there that probably shouldn't be playing, <laughs> but, um, there's some that are very good. Um, we actually, uh, played in LA one time and needed to, uh, needed some backline gear. Right. And, uh, got in touch with the long run who is in LA and they brought us out their gear and you oh, know, great. that's the camaraderie that I would expect. And if somebody from out there said, Hey, we're coming to play on the East coast somewhere. Can we borrow your double neck or your acoustics or your amps? Well, I'd be like, if we're not playing cheers. Yeah. You know? That's nice. You know, and even to the point of, um, I, I'm down to the point of barring players, you know, you got somebody sick and you've got a show we understand you need somebody in my band to come fill in right call me that's fun you know a lot of guys are not like that <laughs> a lot of them are really you know pouty and it's like you know we're all in this for the same the same reason yeah you know do you travel the same circles with you mentioned earlier um you made a poker journey and you, okay, you guys so, you guys get billed with a lot of different yes, acts, right? Yeah. So Journey is probably one of my all time favorite bands. You know, that's I I grew up in that era. Yeah. And especially once Escape came out and then Frontiers, I mean those were huge. Yeah. Those were huge albums. Great songs front to back. It's almost like I can hear them play and know what song's coming next. You know. Um so we played with several Journey tribute bands all over the country. Um so, as a matter of fact, next week we're playing in um, South Carolina, Lexington, South Carolina, at a, an amphitheater, the Ice House Amphitheater. Okay. It's a new amphitheater. It's beautiful nice. down there. Sold out already. 
um, we're playing with um, Resurrection out of Nashville. What's that? Journey Tribute. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking at it in my notes. I had a couple of different Journey. Uh... So anyway, they um, we played in Wisconsin. Uh, we headlined the Iola Car Fair, which is the largest car fair in the country. Um, half a million people come into this town of like, I don't know, there's like 3,500 people live in this town. Half a million people come in and take over for like a week. So we headlined on Saturday night and Resurrection opened up for us. And this time we're going to open and then they're going to headline. It's amazing. But um, spot on, spot on. Uh, some local uh, local guys, uh, Trial by Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done some shows with those guys, great guys. Grew up with a lot of the players, used to run sound for some of them in another band. Um, another one, good friends of mine out of Atlanta, Departure. Great guys, great band. I just did sound for those guys last week. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, it's funny, you, you drop uh, certain states. You, you you guys get around. I mean, I've I, yeah. just from your site, I saw, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, Virginia, Maryland, New York, L.A., Mississippi. Um, how, you know, how do you get – how does how does it come about? I mean, I know you're playing a show in California come – spring of next year. Yeah, we actually returning. played that same one. It was the North Theater in Rolling Hills Estate. Um, we played there two years ago uh, to a sold-out crowd, and they invited us back. So we're playing out there. We just got called to play a private show in San Francisco. Wow. We've got five dates we just booked uh, in Dallas coming up uh, next May, uh, five shows in three days. Um, yeah, we pretty much play anywhere in the country. Um, we've had some amazing trips and we've had some not so amazing trips and we've had some really crazy trips. <laughs> Why don't you give me an example of each? Um, we had one, we played in the middle of Nebraska. <laughs> I don't even remember the town. The whole town was based around a company, right? Uh, a sprinkler company that makes the big sprinklers for the farms, the big, you know, you yep. see the big tractor looking things out mm-hmm. going, the arms and stuff. So they hired us. We flew in. I can't even remember where we flew into Nebraska. Uh, and we had to drive three hours out in the middle of corn bean, <laughs> soybean, corn fields. It was, it was crazy. Um, we get to this town and it's literally self-contained. The high school is, you know, all the grades. Right. They have a football field with a dirt track around it, which doubles as a dirt track <laughs> and the track. They have their own little clothing store and little grocery store and little gas station. Um, so they're having the big town festival. As soon as we get there, they said, well, we're not playing out on the field. We're moving you guys in the gymnasium because there's a tornado warning in effect. Oh, Jesus. So it's, it's like, Wow. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so we actually played in the school gymnasium. Felt like I was in high school again. How funny! It was very loud, and, and the reverb was off the chain. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we and we had another one uh, a couple weeks ago. We played uh, the Outer Banks. Oh, nice! Yeah, we played on the Outer Banks. Uh, played the Outer Banks Thursday night, then had to drive to Roanoke to play Friday, and then to DC to play Saturday. Well. We get back to Raleigh to head north to Roanoke and had a wheel bearing go out on the trailer. <laughs> you know, so we ended up showing up to the gig 
15 minutes after we were supposed to start playing. Oh, my gosh. And we just, 30 minutes, we were on and up rolling. Oh, my gosh. And we played till 9. Then we played actually 45 minutes past when we were supposed to. But we made up for it. That's good. I'm sure they all appreciated uh, yeah, it was, you know, the it was effort. Good. It was good. So, I mean, that that begs the question. You've got five members. You're going six, six members. Yeah. You're going all across the country at different times. What's What's everybody do that allows them the freedom to do that? Um, I have just plan, plan one, carefully. One, one teaches music at a school, okay. uh, after school program. Um, two of us are self-employed. Uh, one has a job that loves him and loves what he's doing in this band. So they allow him the time that he needs to take off. Uh, one guy does sleep studies. So he typically works Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night from seven to seven. Right. So that, you know, I, we do play. I got, I got to meet Tuesdays. that guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So it's, you know, uh, and one's retired actually. Okay. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out. Now of, of also of your band members, um, I know your website says, you know, accomplished musicians formally signed. Uh, was anybody in a, so in a signed act at one point? Tim definitely was. Um, some of the other guys have had other things going on. Um, a lot of them have done original music, mm-hmm. um, aside from me. But uh, yeah, Tim. Uh, Tim was with. He had a. They had a deal, I think, with Capricorn Records. Okay. Uh, and he actually still goes up to Boston and plays with that band. And we actually had them come down here and open up for us at the Fillmore one time. Oh, cool! Uh, great band. Uh, kind of Americana rock um, harmonies. Great, great guys. Great musicians. Uh, swinging stakes. So, and they've been together for for a very long time. And as soon as they hit the stage, you can tell it's you know it's there. Yeah, very tight. It. Yeah, they know each other, kind of like a old married couple. That's cool. <laughs> so what's what's like the next level for you guys? I know recently uh, the Australian Pink Floyd came through town. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that? I mean, I, I guess you kind of touched upon it. Unfortunately, the Eagles weren't a big, you know, pyro and light show and experience. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing so we try to make up for that a little even when we show up to big venues that have massive light shows i'm like is you if you got spots we're good yeah <laughs> you know i um i don't like a disco show while we're playing i don't mm-hmm. mind moving lights and and very tasteful that's great but yeah so that's the other thing with the eagles it's it's about the music yeah and um it's not about the light show and the experience it's just it's pretty much about the music which also makes me uh, want to hone the craft even more. Right. You know, you just, you have to be spot on every night you're doing these shows. Um, but yeah, so next for us is, you know, we've, uh, we've gotten into doing the hard rock casinos. Oh, great. Uh, we played a couple of other casinos along the way. Um, but you know, to get to the point to where we can do, you know, if someone calls and says, Hey, we want you to do three weeks at this casino. And then we're going to send you over to Laughlin to our sister casino and then up to Reno or, Right. You know, I want to get to that point to where we, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, and we've done a lot of multiple nights at casinos, and it's it's always been very well, worked very well. Um, and we've done a lot of uh, the one in Dallas we're doing. Like I said, we're doing five shows in three days. So. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's that's that's the point. Get to that to where the other guys don't have to worry about having another source of income that, you know, right. this is it. Now, did you uh, – yeah, I guess another milestone I wanted to definitely hear the story about was um, the World's Greatest Tribute Bands, the Access TV show that you guys were on back in – was it 2015? 
Uh, write it down. Not sure. <laughs> if you wrote it down, you'll know better than I. Yeah, I, I wrote it down, but I wrote it down wrong. I, <laughs> I have I've made you aired on May fifth. I have two thousand five, but it's not two thousand five. Must be two thousand fifteen. Yeah, was that like probably, two, two, yeah, three years ago? Yeah, probably two thousand fifteen. How how did that come about? That sounds like a really big opportunity. That um, you know, Katie Darrell had contacted us uh, and was interested in having us come perform. So. It's uh, it was an experience. Um, those types of things, you just take them for what they are sometimes, right. and just enjoy the experience and chalk it off as you did it. Um, great experience going, doing the TV thing. Um, bad experience with the audio. So, oh really? Yeah. Um, we at whiskey a go go. Was that when you were? Yeah, yeah. So we had a little bit of trouble sound checking. Uh, it appeared they had a, a younger engineer on the job, and um, I made him stay while the rest of them went and ate, so he and I could get some things worked out. And when we came on, because you know we disappeared after we sound checked, right? And we weren't allowed to come down until it was time for us to come on. Um, I guess he was afraid that he would get fired if there was any feedback on the monitors, so he literally had taken the masters and pulled them down. Right. So pretty much the first set before we took a break, um, we couldn't even hear ourselves. Oh at, God. At all. That's tough. It was, yeah. And it was like, oh. so here we go. Deal with it. It is what it is. <laughs> Just have fun and do your best, you know, the best you can do. Um, the cool thing was, is they asked us to, to do a 90 minute. Okay. Where most of the shows are only a 60 Good minute 60. show. So, but it, you know, it was great. We had a lot of fun, um, met a lot of other musicians out there. Uh, that was the one that the long run brought us the equipment for. Okay, cool. Yeah. So kudos, to those guys. Thank you very much. Especially kudos. Listening. I was going to say kudos to those guys. Cause you obviously beat yeah. them out. No, they, the they actually played it two years, two years prior, prior? I think. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. they had a uh, repeat, yeah. you know, or, uh, you know, same artists, different, yeah. different, different bands. Yeah. So I've seen some really good ones on there. Some really good. Uh, another uh, local uh, musician, Gabe, uh, has a Stevie Wonder tribute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Excellent musician. And he's an original. Uh, I think he's got like a jazz album. Yeah. It's charted. He's, Gabe Bellow is such a, a terrific guy, too. Yeah. I, I saw an article that had both of you guys and talked about the, the show. Right. And I guess uh, when they discovered him, they had already booked everything, and they were like, "Now we got to bump somebody and get this guy on. Yeah. He's too good not yeah. to be seen." Yeah, he does a great job with the Stevie Wonder. That's stuff. amazing. Yeah, that's cool. And such a sax, good sax player. I mean, just <laughs> make you melt listening to him play sax. That's great. Yeah. So I'm surprised. Um, I thought maybe part of your experience that you didn't like that it was too much of a TV show, but it sounds like they didn't they didn't stop you and say, "All right, do it again," or oh, "Do no, this song was, again." It was, it was live. Like, it was you know, was, so there was sort of a competition to it. Or it was live. It's just you get on and play. Oh, that's good. Yeah, there was only like a twenty second delay. Okay, twenty thirty second delay from the satellite feed. So, and then what came out of that? Once that aired, did the phone kind of ring a little bit more oh. for that? You know, that's that was the discussion that we had had with other bands that played too, and not really. Really, I'm surprised. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, we get more calls from other venues, you know, um, like Live Nation venues and stuff because right. of the draw that we have at the ones we play. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, all these the, like we're playing the uh, in North Carolina State Fair in a couple weeks, um, you know. We didn't get a whole lot. I don't. I don't know how much 
that that show like if you know clients or um, talent buyers might be watching right. going, oh, let's go look and find right. these guys. Um, not sure because it is an off channel. If you don't have the satellite, you don't right. have access TV. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. So I I, I'm surprised I have it actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it was great. We, we had a blast. Of course, when we do those types of things, I'd take advantage. I went out like four or five days before and two, I think two of the guys went with me and, you know, we hung out in LA and did our thing and had a good time. And the rest of the guys flew in the night before and, so it's always an adventure. You never know what's going to happen. Um, they were cleaning the carpets in there. And so, Tim, the stage is probably four and a half, five foot tall. Okay. Katie Darrell comes down, and I'm talking to her, and I said, hey, guys, come here, and everybody meet Katie. And and Tim didn't jump off the stage. He you know, leaned down, grabbed it, and when his feet hit the floor, it was wet. <laughs> oh, and his feet come out from under him, and Katie Darrell screamed at the top of her lungs. <laughs> like, oh, my God, my show's ruined. <laughs> so a lot of Advil got him through that I didn't night. say, she's like, we have workers' comp. It's okay. Oh, yeah, it was, it was scary. But then uh, last year, our drummer actually stepped off the stage and broke his leg Ugh. in the middle of a show. Oh, what happened? <laughs> I mean, what what did you so guys do? Was it when we do like, we do Seven Bridges Road? We were playing in a theater, and they had built staging out over the orchestra pit. Right, and so the steps getting to the stage were still there, but they were inset to the stage. And um, he came out to sing Seven Bridges Road, and, and he usually goes to Bill's mic, which is stage left. And he swung Bill's mic out and then stepped to it, but he didn't realize he stepped right off into the stairwell. Oh my! Like, oh my God! Yes, yeah, it wasn't. It oh. was. It was ugly. So we, um, you know, had Stretcher come in and hauled him off an ambulance, gave him a big round of applause, and <laughs> I told the crowd he'd do anything to get out of that last set. <laughs> so we finished. We had another forty-five minutes. I mean, people had paid tickets, and I'm like, you know. We're, we're going to sit in the waiting room. Yeah. So to go acoustic. He's or? good. Yeah. We, we did acoustic. Thank God. Bob that plays keyboards with us, the music teacher. Um, he got him played drums on a few songs. Okay. So, yeah. So we, we covered it and it's probably some of the biggest and loudest standing ovations we've gotten. Well, they, uh, they obviously they saw the effort, you uh, know, they saw the and, passion and no one has it on video. <laughs> There's no video anywhere. I'm like, out of everything that we have on video, there's none of that anywhere. So that might be a good thing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but um, he's back and good now. So, so let's talk a little bit about the the structure of the band. Are you? I mean, you're here with me right now because you kind of represent the band. Are you the the leader of the band, or do you see it as a democracy? Or are you kind of? It's a democracy. I own the band, um, but yes, it's um, you know everybody's input counts. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't. You know, there's sometimes I might try to be bullheaded and, and rush in and go, hey, hey, and they'll go, well, hey, hey. So, yeah, it's, it is. Right. We talk, we talk about things, make decisions together. So, I mean, that's to survive. You, you can't, you know, yeah. be different. I said, I'm just going to pay you X amount of dollars a night and you're going to do what I tell you to do. But that's right. not how it is. I don't want that because that's, you can't, you can't survive as a band like that. It just doesn't work. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. Um, are you, 
you're not necessarily. I was gonna. I, I had a note here to ask you if you were kind of like the creative director of the band, but you kind of mentioned earlier. You kind of you guys do kind of bounce stuff each other off yeah. one another and kind of you know critique for lack of a better word. Yeah, we, we all suggest. We all kind of you know hear things in songs and and suggest certain things. Uh, Scott, our bass player, has a very uncanny ability to to hear harmonies um, sometimes that we don't hear. That literally we've gone back and go, dude, it's not there. And he's like, yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Then you go back and really listen. You're like, I'll be damned. He's right. It's there. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I would say that, you know, as far as harmonies go, um, yeah, Scott, Scott kind of directs on that. Musically, it's um, everybody has their place. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Bob plays keys. Um, My part's not a lead guitar player. That's up to, you know, Tim and Bill who are covering Felder and Walsh who, you know, at that point in time, they were they played all the lead guitar. Yeah, um, it's funny because Glenn Fry actually played lead on a bunch of those songs in the studio. Right, but, I heard but not that live. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah, it's um everybody everybody puts their two cents in, and we come to agreements on things, and and it it all works out. Um, before we wrap, um, just one thing I kind of touched upon this earlier, but it was you know like I asked you about um. Any legal issues, you know, just with, uh, you know, royalties or anything like that. Is there anything else? Like, I've, I know even YouTube videos. I've seen I've seen YouTube, like, uh, people covering Eagles. Like, for instance, I saw an acapella group. I think it was like a Harvard female acapella group. Mm-hmm. And this was Henley. This was Boys of Summer. Right. It was really cool. I go back to show somebody, like, two months later, and it's been pulled. Yeah, no, that's happened. We've had several videos pulled like that. We haven't received any threatening letters yet, but... Um, but even from you know, you guys are in it. You guys right. are doing it. You've got right. good representation. You got good right. people booking you. Right. Is there what? Is there anything you? Is there anything they're telling you? At, no, at things you can or can't do. Or no, I've never. I have never run across any of that. Um, I did, however. Uh, we played a tribute fest with a Bob Seger and a um, Bruce Springsteen tribute. Mm. Um, both of those guys were out of L.A. And I had some long conversations with uh, Sam Morrison, who does the Bob Seger. Um, and he actually records and sells. And there's some legal way around that. I uh, can't remember what it is. You have to, like, pay upfront royalties in order to do it. But he has, like, sold a lot of copies wow. <laughs> of him doing Bob Seger tunes. And they are very good. Um, I believe he had, he had told me at one point in time something he had sent them a copy of one that he wanted to release, like a remake or whatever. And I was told they were like, hell no, <laughs> you're not doing that. But, uh, but he does. He, I mean, you can get him on iTunes, Spotify. Um, you can buy the down, you can download wow. the tunes that he's made and he pays an upfront royalty. Uh, and he gave me the, the path to go down and who to contact. So. I've looked at doing that, and I'm like, you know, you always look for avenues to make money. We, we sell a lot of merchandise, and we also um, just recently this year I started doing a benefit for disabled veterans and wounded warriors, uh, selling uh, uh, all of our merchandise. So pro, part of the proceeds go right. to benefit that. So, um, and none of your your merchandise is, you know. You guys go out of your way to be free of any iconography or like the you know the the skull they have of the. Nope, it's all know. it's it's every last bit of it's our logo. Yeah, 
every last bit of it. Um, logos, just different colors, different shirts, different style shirts, um, baseball shirts, t-shirts, tank tops, women's. We've got the racer bags, spaghetti straps. But uh, I definitely say to any of the bands out there trying to do merch, don't skimp on it. Buy the good shirts yeah. and have a lot of options because you will sell it. Yeah, I uh, I've had a couple of young bands here and they uh, surprisingly got uh, some good. Uh, um, you know, I sold a lot of merch on the, uh, right. on, the on the road. Yeah. All right, that's one segue into. Uh, so <laughs> I I end each show with five questions everybody gets. Sure. Uh, we'll we'll blow through these fast. The first question, actually, take your time. Um, the first question, and it, you might have answered it with the, a guitar you mentioned earlier, but what's your most extravagant expense? You know, uh, music oriented. Uh, they're all about the same, really. I mean, um, most of the guitars we have, where there's at least a thousand bucks in them. Most of the amps are at least a thousand dollars. We do in your monitors; that's thousand bucks. I mean, it's everything's right. There's nothing cheap. Any, not, to, any, not to do it right. Anything you're passionate about that was like a gift to you, or you wanted it. <sighs> I have like 14 guitars now and probably 16 or 17 amps and a lot of them vintage. And I, the only one that I really like is, um, that I hold dear is I did find a 1965 blackface Fender deluxe amp, non reverb, which is what Fry was playing. Okay. And I also found the matching 212 cabinet that Fry was using the same, same model. Um, and that's, yeah, that's mine. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's mine. I like that. That's, you know, that's not one I'm gonna lend out. Um, second question: You might have also touched upon with your uh, charity work, but if I were to give you a million dollars to give to one charity, who would get it? Wow, could I split it between several? No. Um, sorry, <laughs> it makes sense, but that's why you know that, that that's what makes the question uh, a tough one. Honestly, children. Yeah, children in need. Luckily, they get that. They get that from a lot of guests. Yeah. So. I really would. I mean, I have children myself. Yeah. So. Um, third question, a little bit more funner, is, uh, you know, your walk-up walk up music in baseball to the plate. What would your walk-up music be to the pearly gates? <laughs> One of these nights. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, question number four is, what song is stuck on repeat in hell? There's quite a few of those. <laughs> there's there's some that just turn like fingernails on a chalkboard in my head. And I, the first one just came to my mind is that you ought to know by whoever was in the 90s. Oh, Alanis Morissette? Yeah, or Four Non Blondes. I think it's just the tone of their voice singing that just <laughs> sounds like a cat being beaten and drowned at the same time. Ugh. Right. Not that it wasn't, they didn't do well writing and they made yeah. a lot of music, just not my bag of music. And, okay. you know, I can dig it. <laughs> <laughs> um, last uh, question of the evening is uh, just best concert experience you've... Uh... Kiss Alive 2, 1976. That's amazing. Yep. I was there. Where was it? Charlotte Coliseum. Might have been early 77, I don't remember. Nice. All the yeah. original members. Yes. Yeah. Makeup pyro the whole nine yard general admission and i remember you would you could buy a pizza on a cardboard platter and people were buying the pizza eating the pizza and then squirting lighter fluid on them catching them on fire and flinging them through the crowd oh my god yes hey it's all part of the show what made that it was, great yeah 
that was definitely an experience. <laughs> well, Tracy, uh, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank I know you very uh, much. we had never met before, so it was nice. Uh, you know, you took well, the leap nice of faith, and uh, thank you again. Yeah, anytime. All right, thanks. All right, that was Tracy Maples, singer and guitarist for the Eagles tribute band On the Border. Interesting story behind some of these tribute bands. Okay, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and comment. You can also find us on Google Play and Stitcher. And if you'd like to reach us, you can email me at dill at rockonomicspodcast.com. We have some good guests lined up, so we look forward to upping our game and giving you a quality show, so we hope you uh, continue to stay with us as we move forward. In the meantime, I was thinking we need a good sign-off. Uh, some of the podcasts I listen to always have uh, that signature sign-off, like Mark Marin has Boomer Lives, and over at Nerdist Podcast, they do Enjoy Your Burrito. So if anyone has suggestions, send them my way. Until then, we're going to go with uh, Good Night Cleveland. So good night, Cleveland. <laughs>